Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Welcome to Initiated Survivor, where we connect to our fiercest fuck community of survivors and badassery ensues. I'm Kelsey Harper. I'm a clinical psychologist and survivor, and I love to bring us together to share our stories as well as practical tips to recover and reclaim our lives. As a community, we have truly formidable power to change our world, so thank you so much for being here. Here, we discuss topics relevant to survivors of gender-based violence. Some of these discussions may be triggering and contain adult content. Please be mindful of your needs throughout. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Initiated Survivor. I took a bit of a break here at the holidays and just shortly after the holidays because I went through a relapse of intense anxiety and panic and needed to take a step away to be able to take care of myself. But I wanted to share a little bit about that here. You might hear a little bit of animal noises in the background because my dog Neville is joining me for this recording. But so one of the things that happened to me was over the past year, I was noticing a lot of stress building up, you know, with just a lot of issues going on, just normal life issues, business issues, that kind of thing. And the stress was building over time. And I may not have been adequately coping with it and managing it because as the year went on, things seemed to just kind of keep building And when we got to the holidays, which is naturally a very stressful time for a lot of people, and it was for me as well, I became very, very overwhelmed, especially, you know, with a sense of things that are outside my control, but are causing a lot of problems for me, problems that I wasn't creating that were creating problems in my life and problems that I couldn't solve on my own or solve at all by myself were creating a lot of problems for me. And I became very overwhelmed and had a big anxiety episode. And what this looked like for me was all of a sudden like my body and my brain just like flipped into fight or flight and stayed there and stayed very locked in this space of intense fear and survival mode and all of the things that come with that. I think that what came up for me is that as a survivor, I am particularly vulnerable to stressful situations. You know, having a history of PTSD makes my brain much more prone to going into survival mode when stress takes place and when stress builds. And especially if stress is building slowly over time, like it was for me and being very insidious in that way, it might mean in in this case it was that I wasn't able to be as effectively mindful of the stress to do things about it as it was occurring to make sure that I'm doing things to take care of myself, to reduce stress, that kind of thing. I was really activated into this fight or flight, feeling an intense amount of anxiety and nervousness and started having panic attacks and difficulty with focusing and concentrating on anything except what I was afraid of. And I knew, I knew in my mind rationally logically that what I was afraid of, what I was fearing, this sense of impending doom was not accurate. I knew that the facts 
were there to show me that it wasn't accurate, but that didn't effectively align with what I was feeling. My body was feeling as though there was something terrible about to happen. The thought that I kept having recur to me was just this fear that everything was falling apart, even though things were not falling apart, and that even the stressors that were happening during the year were not about things falling apart. It was about things, you know, business things where people were not doing what they were supposed to do and created problems and consequences for me, but they were all manageable. In that state of fight or flight, in that survival mode, my mind was also filtering those things through a specific lens. And rather than seeing that I survived all of these things and I was making it out of these things okay, that it was looking at it more of like, oh my gosh, these things happen. There must be terrible things that are going to happen in the future. But my body was very, very activated. My brain was very activated. And it felt like there was nothing that I was going to be able to do to really calm things down. I was intensely ruminating my mind was getting very fixated on all of these stressful thoughts and just really could not be settled in any way that I could come up with. I was using all of my skills. I was trying to challenge all of my thoughts and that seemed to be making it worse. One of the things that I learned through this that was incredibly helpful for me, and this is something that my therapist discussed with me as I was going through this, was that when my body is activated, my brain will try to make sense of this reaction that my brain is going to respond to the sensations in my body of fight or flight, which is like all this adrenaline pumping, this nervousness, this anxiety, this feeling keyed up, being really anxious and hypervigilant, and that my brain was going to try to make sense of this and solve this reaction by worrying, you know, by trying to search for the solution by ruminating that my brain thought the solution to the problem of what my body was feeling was to worry. How this really helped me was it helped me then move from being caught up in my thoughts, trying to solve the problem of my thoughts, trying to check the facts, trying to make sure that all of the ducks are in a row, trying to show that the facts are actually okay and reassure myself over and over and over which was seemingly making it worse because my mind would just kind of roll over to future thoughts, the future that I can't control. And instead, hearing this and knowing this deep within myself that my brain is trying to solve my body problem, my body's reaction with worrying, that then I focus more on how to manage and tolerate through the body response that I was having while I recovered. But so like I said, I know that I'm vulnerable to episodes like this for a number of reasons, particularly because of my history of trauma and PTSD. Like any of us survivors, things like this means that our brains are more prone or more vulnerable to flight or fight activation because our brain has been injured or impacted in this way. And so that injury can definitely be reactivated. It's similar to like if you injure your knees, you know, at some point you're more likely to injure your knees in the future and you have to take extra care of them. So ultimately I was feeling incredibly miserable. My body was telling me that disaster was, was upon me or was near or that if I made a misstep, 
everything was going to fall apart. That was the thing that just kept echoing in my head. Everything's going to fall apart. And my brain could not stop thinking this specifically. Just to put it very plainly, it was awful. Absolutely awful. I am feeling a lot better now. I've been working on recovering from this and I'm doing much better now, now that I'm on the other side of this. And I'm continuing to get better and continuing to recover from this. I still have some moments every now and then where I have to work hard to get grounded again and bring my thoughts back to the present moment and soothe this anxiety that comes up in my body. But things are definitely a lot better now. And so I wanted to share a little bit about what's been helping me. The first and the number one thing that was probably the most impactful for my recovery during this stage was social support. It was the most powerful thing for me. It was the thing that was kind of helping me. I had slowed things down to where I was just taking it one day at a time, one moment at a time of just being asking myself, what do I need right now to be able to survive this, knowing that my brain is healing and my brain is recovering. I will get to the other side at some point, but that I have to just get through this moment. And the biggest one was social support. This is also a skill that I really had to learn was how to access social support. And I think this was one of the first times when I felt like I was really effective at reaching out and connecting with social support. I definitely have a history and have a tendency towards suffering in silence of not really telling people what's going on with me, of kind of curling up and isolating, maybe telling people what happened after the fact, or maybe giving people just a little slice of what's happening to me, but with this tone of like, I've got it handled, I've got it handled. Ultimately, you know, in this place of being really uncomfortable, accepting and receiving help or support from people and a lot of discomfort, being vulnerable in a moment of pain. And that's one of the things that I learned through this, too, is that there's vulnerability when we share important stories about ourselves and there's vulnerability when we share our feelings and experiences and our history and when we share our creative projects. And then there's vulnerability of being truly raw and real in our pain, in our suffering, in our misery, in the presence of another person. And that was the vulnerability that I was the most afraid of. I was afraid that it would cause me to either like lose people or for things, my misery to get worse or for people to no longer, you know, be in my life. So this time around with social support, because I also have some friends who have challenged me to be more open about things that are going on with me and have family support as well, you know, especially with my sisters who I love very dearly, you know, I was able to practice and try what it would feel like to reach out and tell people what's really happening with me. And so I told my friends, I contacted my sisters and I asked for help and support. It was hard. I felt like I was taking a risk, but it actually turned out really, really, really well and incredibly powerful. Everybody, you know, all of my social supports offered something different. You know, there were people who made a point to text me and check in on me and just ask how I'm doing and offer me words of encouragement. And that was incredibly helpful. I would call people and just cry on the phone about what's going on and 
again, hear encouraging words and hear a lot of validation of like, yes, that's that's what I experienced. That's what I've been through, you know, and you're going to get through this. I got through this too. Also, just people holding space, like being able to go and sit in a room with somebody and cry for a bit and have them just hold space for me and listen and share some of their own wisdom or experience and just allow me to have space. And even sometimes just sitting together and watching TV or watching a movie and just having somebody help distract me or help me not feel alone during the times when it was incredibly hard was really, really helpful. And at the very basis of it, it also helped structure my time. You know, that having free time when my mind was ruminating like crazy was really, really hard because my mind would just spend fill that time with rumination and worry, and it would be harder and harder to not get sucked into that vortex. But having people just have me come over and watch TV with them, watch a show with them, um, you know, run errands with them, helped structure some of my time and also helped me realize and really feel that I wasn't alone in this and that I wasn't alone in what I was going through. And while I think that can be such a overly simplistic and seemingly easy idea of like, oh, you're just not alone, there's knowing that you're not alone in your mind. And then there's your body recognizing that you're not alone. And that's what I felt happened here for me is that my body truly experienced fully being in the presence of support and community and therefore safety. And it was able to calm down and to reach a level of stability and safety a lot faster because of this. So I also want to just take a quick moment to thank all of the people who are offering their support in different ways to me through this time, because it was life-changing, not just because it helped me get through this episode of anxiety and survive it and come out on the other side okay, but it also helped me learn a very powerful skill and also helped me really embrace the idea that a sense of safety and a safety net doesn't just come with certain material things, but also comes from having connection to people and community and friends and support. And I definitely felt that the power of that safety net. And this is the kind of community that I hope as survivors, we can really fight hard to create for each other, that our world really does try to isolate us from each other with the way that we create rape culture with the way that we engage with survivors as they come forward with even just the way that we provide support in such an individualized manner. It really separates us from each other and makes us feel isolated and alone when community is by far going to be the most powerful thing for not just our recovery, but for reinstating our own sense of power and being able to really change things. But yeah, so connecting with social support and community, even though my body and, and my system was in a state of panic, I was also able to recognize that I wasn't going to be completely abandoned into this vortex of hell that I was going through. And that despite everything that I was afraid of, things were not actually falling apart. The precariousness that I was worried was happening was not actually real. And by being in the presence of other people, it really did help my brain and body start to come to that conclusion as well. Another thing that truly helped me here through this process was 
therapy. I have a therapist. I am a therapist and I have a therapist. I do recommend that all therapists have therapy in the sense that we're carrying a lot. We also need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can be there for our clients as effectively as possible. But I've also had ongoing trauma therapy and trauma recovery therapy um, for support around being a survivor and having PTSD. And if you're here listening to this, you probably know how important therapy is. You probably are either in therapy or wanting therapy or have done therapy before. So I know that I'm kind of preaching to the choir with this and I'm still going to preach to the choir about this. My therapy was incredibly helpful. Having a therapist that I trust and that I really feel connected with and I feel really truly understands me and sees what I'm going through and is really interested and eager to help me get through these things and to really see me recover and reach my goals was really helpful. It was the lifeline or the tether that I needed to feel like I wasn't just going to float off into the abyss, that I had somebody here that I could touch base with that was going to support me and guide me through this, was going to help me feel better and also help me understand more of this. And it was my therapist who helped me understand that my thoughts were a reaction, not a prediction, and helped me be able to come back into my body more and more and use some of those mindfulness skills to my body, self-soothing skills to help regulate and to get out of my head. And that was incredibly powerful. It was so helpful to know that she was monitoring me and helping me through this, that I didn't have to be my own kind of monitor, that I could trust and allow other people to take care of some of these things for me. And through that, we worked on EMDR and breath work, as well as some of these body-based mindfulness exercises, and it was incredibly healing and still is incredibly healing. The other thing that really helped me through this was getting back on some medication. I know that everybody has their own personal relationship with medication, and this is not a recommendation or referral by any means. For me, this was a key to what I needed for my recovery was to find medication that really worked for me. You know, that my brain is just another organ in my body that maybe needs support with this, with medication in order to work effectively. And so getting on medication helped with big leaps and bounds in my recovery with getting my brain stabilized and getting everything that my brain needed in order to operate normally. And I was able to then make use of that, those skills that I was learning, that social support that I was getting, and the medication really helped the organ of my brain work so that those other things could help with the healing and the recovery as well. So working with my doctor really helped me get balanced on these medications, was another person who was monitoring things and making sure that I was supported effectively through all of this. The other thing that was incredibly important and valuable in assisting me in this recovery was really true radical acceptance and surrender to this process. And I think it's times of suffering like this, where radical acceptance truly becomes a way of being and a lesson that teaches us more about the depths of acceptance. And for me, this was the case that I truly had to let go of whatever it was that I had planned to do with this period of time, whatever my goal was 
for this period of time or how I had it in my head. Like this definitely was not how I wanted to spend the holidays, the beginning of the year. You know, I had big plans for what I was going to be doing with all of my time. This was definitely not in the plans. I'm a Virgo. I have plans and I get very disappointed when I can't stick to those. So in one very simple way, there's this radical acceptance of that the plans have to change because I do need to prioritize myself and what my body is going through. But then there's these deeper radical acceptance that I had to radically accept that my body was experiencing something that was out of my control, that I was doing everything that I could with therapy, with medication, with my skills, with my social support to help support my body. And it was going to recover at its own pace, given those things right? That I couldn't make it go any faster, but I also wasn't going to do anything that could make it go any slower, that it was just going to be what it was. And in every single moment when I would feel that surge of adrenaline and that shakiness within me and those thoughts that everything is about to fall apart, I could reach for a level of surrender to this is what is here in this moment. In this moment, my body is trembling. In this moment, my body has adrenaline. And in this moment, I am so uncomfortable and I am in so much pain right now. And surrendering to that, for me, that doesn't mean that I'm saying, okay, this is fine. You know, I'll just deal with it. That's more like resignation for me. Surrendering to it meant I'm going to allow myself to do whatever it is that will help me get through it comfortably. If that's laying down when I need to lay down, carrying my weighted blanket everywhere I went, staying in my bedroom, looking at pretty lights and pretty pictures, taking hot baths, calling my friends, calling my sisters, you know, people that support me and surrendering to what was in that moment. It helped me to be more skillful. It helped the time to pass as quickly as it could pass and helped me be able to get to the other side. Like pushing through this really truly wasn't an option for me. I was still able to work during this. Work was a nice distraction as it is, I think for many folks, it provides a lot of structure and it did for me too. On top of that, for me and for many other people, it's just not an option to not work. And so I was able to work during this. Otherwise, all of my time was spent just recovering from this and trying to do so without judgment or without shooting myself saying it should be like this, I should be like this. And that doesn't mean that I was free from judgment or the shoulds. I certainly had a lot of like, I should feel better. I shouldn't be thinking this way. You know, I should feel this way soon or I should be accomplishing this kind of thing. But that also indicated to me that I needed a little bit more surrender. And what surrender and and radical acceptance to me really means is coming to the present moment exactly as it is without those judgments, noticing what's in my body and what's happening in my body exactly as it was without judgment and reassuring myself and showing up for myself that I am here. I'm here for myself. I'm here for my body. I can be with my body through this. So I just wanted to share this more as a space of one being totally open and radically genuine with everyone about 
what's been going on because I also have a strong value around authenticity guiding this work with survivors and with initiated survivor, but also because I'm pretty certain that there's many of us who experience these things, these episodes that can happen of intense anxiety or depression that seemingly come out of nowhere or maybe they do have a cause. Like for me, it felt like it came out of nowhere, but it definitely had a cause. There was definitely a buildup of a lot of stress and tension. And I learned through this episode more and more about how to take good care of myself with regards to being more mindful of what I'm experiencing and how to more effectively resolve it. I don't think that that means that I could have prevented this. I don't think that I could have prevented this There's in any way, but I do know a little bit more about myself and how I can work to support myself in the future and that there's resources that I have access to that can help me recover anytime this kind of thing happens. And I wanted to share this so that people who go through this as well don't feel alone in it that they understand that this is a very normal part about one, being human, two, being a survivor. Being a survivor means that we're going to have relapses and recurrence of symptoms, that we're going to feel like there's a huge setback that occurred when really it's a part of our body processing life as it is, and also share that it is possible to recover from these things and to get through them. And yeah, I'm just sending love out to all of the survivors out there right now, all of the people who are struggling or feeling any pain. I'm with you. We're in this together and we're recovering together. Hi, everyone. I wanted to talk to you a little bit today and do a little skills spotlight and talk a little bit about a coping skill that can really help regulate things when we're getting really activated or panicky. And so what I wanted to talk to you about today is the mammalian dive reflex and that we can use this reflex actually as a skill to be able to regulate our emotions when we're in acute distress, when we're having really high anxiety or panic attack. It's also very useful for when we're having flashbacks. Um, or even if you're having trouble sleeping. And so the mammalian dive reflex is an automatic reflex that actually deactivates our sympathetic nervous system and activates our parasympathetic nervous system in order to store up energy um, in response to being submerged in cold water. And so it's just a survival mechanism that our body has in place that we can actually activate deliberately if we want to have that same action to occur. And the parasympathetic nervous system is kind of our rest and digest. It's very calm, keeps us focused on, you know, what we, what our body needs to take care of ourselves. It's um, taking away a lot of the energy going out to our muscles. We're not moving, we're resting. So the first thing to note is that if you have a heart condition, if you're on blood thinners, or if you have blood pressure issues, or if you have an eating disorder, um, this is not a good skill to practice because suddenly changing your blood pressure and your activity level or your energy level can actually cause some problems. And so you definitely want to avoid this. You can check with your doctor if you're concerned or if you're worried that that might mean you. But otherwise, so for other people, the mammalian dive reflex is easily activated by uh, utilizing cold water. So this can be filling a bowl full of ice water, taking a cold shower, using ice packs, 
all that kind of stuff. What we're really looking for is you're wanting to submerge your face because the um, nerves that are going to activate the response are actually located just around kind of the outside orbital bone, like right around like where your cheekbones are, around your temples and your brow bone, that kind of area. And so what you would do is you would fill a bowl full of ice and water, take a deep breath in, hold your breath and plunge your face right into that bowl full of ice water. And you're going to want to get your face deep enough that the water line is up to your temples. And obviously you're holding your breath during this, although some people like to blow bubbles in the water, that kind of thing. And then when you're ready, when you need to either take another breath or it's way too cold or it kind of hurts a little bit, pull your face out of the water. Draw, dry off with a towel. You can take a couple of breaths to, to process that feeling. And then you're going to want to dip your face again. What I usually recommend for people is that it takes about seven to nine dips for it to fully activate and to start taking effect um, and to feel that calming response in your body. You can also do this by putting an ice pack on your face, like I said, over those areas around the outside of your eyes. You can get one of those frozen face masks from the drugstore. Those can work really well as well. I've also practiced myself and had clients take cold showers. It activates a very similar response too, in just a different way if either of those options don't feel very effective for you. So this can be a really good practice to use, again, when you're having a panic attack, if your distress is really high, if you're having a flashback, if you're feeling that there's anxiety or an activation of anxious energy in your body that's just getting way too stuck and it's not moving, it's not coming down. This also can be helpful if you're having nightmares or if you wake up in the middle of the night and it's hard to calm back down and go back to bed, you can do this activity as well and it can help things calm down. All right, I look forward to hearing how that goes. Give it a try, see how it works, and let me know. Thank you all for joining us in this episode and connecting with our badass community. Thank you to Sam Valentine and her awesome team at Fast Forward Productions for producing, editing, publishing, and all around making this podcast possible. If you found something in this episode that resonated with you, Please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. This quick but meaningful action supports the show and helps make us more visible to other survivors and allies who might be looking for support and connection. I love connecting with listeners, survivors, and allies. So if you found something in this episode useful or interesting, please screenshot the episode and share it on your stories and tag me at Initiated Survivor. An important and final note, while I am a clinical psychologist, this episode and podcast is not a replacement for mental health care. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Neither the host nor the guests are rendering mental health or other professional advice. And this podcast does not constitute an established professional relationship. If you are looking for mental health care or professional help, please seek it out. We have some links in the show notes that may assist with this, or you can contact your insurance carrier for a referral.